Amen. Thanks, Wes and team. Appreciate it. Appreciate those that are involved in helping in Sunday school. And um, amen, amen. What we're looking at doing on Tuesday night, uh, coming, not this one, but following one, is is uh, we're actually seriously looking at the new Alpha um, program. And our concern is that we would love our church to be familiar with um, how to lead someone to Christ and how to help them and disciple them in the ongoing days from that decision. I think it's important that each one of us understand that the Bible encourages us that we're to go and make disciples and be, in part, be a part of that process. So um, our desire and heart is really to help us to be familiar with uh, what that looks like and, and so um, pray with us as we um, plan to that end. This morning I want to share with you and, and begin um, on um, a number of uh, Sundays from now. Is it because I'm standing below that speaker or? No, thanks. Um, I want to share with you a number of the prayers of the Apostle Paul and looking at one today in the book of Ephesians. And uh, leading up to the verses that will be on the screen, uh, this is not there, but in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is is speaking, and he's saying here that, um, let me start to read at verse um, 8, if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians 3, 8, because these are not on the screen. Um, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. In order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, notice here now, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. And so the Apostle Paul is writing here um, to the believers at Ephesus and talking about um, the presence of God in our lives and how we can come boldly before God. And so what I want to talk this morning about is praying with power. Praying with power. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have this privilege of freely reading it, having it in our possession, being able to read it, study it, meditate on it, allow your spirit to speak to us. And so this morning, I I ask you to help us as we share and Help us all as we listen, because you, O oh God, by your Spirit, have a specific word for every person here in this room. Encourage us, challenge us, let your word be open to us by your Spirit, that we might glean something from it that would strengthen our life, strengthen our prayer life, and encourage us in the days and weeks and months and years to come, should you tarry. Bless your word now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Paul Paul says in verse 14, and here's where we'll begin this morning. Because of what I just read, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And Paul is saying, really here he's saying, I pray that 
out of the glorious riches, and you'll see it in the next verses, out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. From verse 14 down to verse 20 and verse 21, we're going to see a repeated word a number of times. Power, power, power. So we're going to talk about how do we learn to pray with power, with passion, in a way that we would grow in our intimacy with God. Now, how many of you would say, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer? How many? Okay, let's, let's, now you put your hand on the notes, complete the sentence and see if we put our hands up again. How many of you believe in the power of prayer and yet probably don't pray as much as you should? Wow. We believe in it, but perhaps we don't pray as much as we should. And that's probably the response of every one of us if we're really honest before God, right? We probably don't pray as much as we should, even though we believe in the power of prayer. Why is it then that we know that we have a good God who answers the prayers of his children, and yet we don't pray as we know we should? Why is that? I think there's probably several reasons why. Some people honestly don't really know how to pray. And maybe they feel intimidated by the thought of prayer and so lack confidence in knowing that, um, are we doing it right? I heard somebody else pray and I'm not, I don't know if, is this the right way? And some people and some of you may actually get bored while you're praying. Have you ever fallen asleep while you've been praying? Have you ever fallen asleep while you've been having your Bible reading and devotions? Anybody? Well, I know I have. Been really tired and late at night. I'm thinking, oh, I just need to read some scripture. And you're reading away, and pretty soon you wake up and you don't know what you read. And you're just tired. Well, I, I trust we're never really from that bored praying or bored reading scripture, but sometimes our body is tired and we find ourselves nodding off, perhaps. But a lot of you, you're probably a little bit like I am, and you can be a little ADD prayer guy. You know, we got great intentions. I'm like, dear God, I'm praying for a miracle. And so when I say miracle, I think, miracle whip. I need a sandwich. (laughs) Ever happened to you? Like, you're praying and you use this word and then it just takes you off somewhere else. Oh, chicken. We didn't have any chicken on Friday, I don't think, those youth, but um, turkey. And so we get maybe a little bit distracted at times and, and we're hungry for a sandwich and and where'd that come from? How do we lose focus in one sentence? Well, it's just the way we can be sometimes. Sometimes you'll get intimidated when somebody really prays well, or what we think of they really pray well. I mean, they're, they're passionate, and they're right into it. And, uh, you know, it's like you know Moses' little brother in your small group, you know, and he's like quoting scripture. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. You said in Deuteronomy 28 that we're blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're the head, we're not the tail. And this person praying away, and you're thinking, I could never pray like that. And so we might get intimidated, wondering if we're really doing it right. And these people in your prayer meeting, they're, I mean, they're calling down angels and binding demons and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, wow, that's really good. And I'm thinking, if I were God, I'd answer that prayer just because it's so good. And we're intimidated at times. So what I want to do over the next couple of weeks or a few weeks is really let God do a work in us to teach us and move us to pray with power and with passion. And I'm not saying necessarily that everybody shouts, you know, runs around, jumps up and down, shakes a fist. I'm not necessarily talking about that kind of passion. 
But the kind of power and passion that we have this confidence that indeed God hears us. And there's a confidence that we can get in, in God, in Christ, through his word, that can really give us a sense of, uh, yes, God is hearing, and we are praying according to his word, and we can pray with power and passion. But I believe sometimes there's a couple mistakes that so many of us tend to make in our prayer life. And please understand, these are not you know, mistakes to make us feel bad or discourage us, but I, I just want to build our faith this morning to believe God for more. The first one of the big prayer mistakes is, I think sometimes our prayers are too small. Our prayers are, are too small. And secondly, I think sometimes our prayers are too general. When we pray to God, I believe many of us, our, our prayers are, are too small and they're too general. Sometimes I think God must honestly be a little bit frustrated with the lack of faith that at times we have in what we pray for. For example, perhaps people would pray like this, God, I thank you for this day. I pray you bless me and bless so-and-so. And nothing wrong with asking God to bless, but I wonder if sometimes we do that, not understanding that, um, have you ever really examined where you live? Of all people, friends, we are already so blessed. How will you know if God answers that prayer? Bless me, bless so-and-so. And nothing wrong, with, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray that. I'm just saying, how will we know uh, when, when God answers that prayer? How will we know when that is answered so we can give praise and honor and glory to God? And how do we know when that prayer is answered that no one else in no other circumstance, nowhere could that prayer be met other than the supernatural hand of God? We're already blessed. And I'm sure God says, you're already blessed, but I'm happy to do it. And... Uh, but I sometimes wonder if God isn't saying, give me something big. Give me something that no one else is ever going to get the glory for this but him. Something so big that only God can answer that prayer. I wonder if God doesn't ever say, ask me for something that will help show off my glory when I answer it. Why is it you're... At times we undercut the power of God who said, with, all, with me all things are possible. I wonder if the lack of being specific and the breadth of possibility would ever insult the heart of God. Probably not, but because God understands us and our, he understands our weaknesses. And, but I'm wondering if God, because I think sometimes God has said to me, I could do so much more if you would just ask me. Because scripture says we have not because we Ask not. Just ask him. So oftentimes maybe we pray very small and very general prayers. And I'm going to encourage us to pray big and specific prayers. Because general prayers don't move God to specific action. I want to say that again. General prayers do not move God to specific action. James says we do not have because we ask not. So. What I want to do is I want, I want to ask God for some very specific requests and have the faith to believe that he can do things that otherwise would be impossible to ever see. When all of a sudden we do see them, then there's no, no one could deny that that must have been by the hand of God because it would have taken God to pull something like that off. I want to pray big, faith-filled, specific, and passionate prayers.
Big prayers. Let me give you an example of one such prayer. I love to read the prayers of other people and biographies, etc., because they inspire me and they teach me to pray even better. And there's this crazy story about Martin Luther, who's the father of the Reformation. And there's a lot of things said about Martin Luther. But anyway, he had a friend named Friedrich Myconius, who was his assistant and kind of helped serve him as he was undergoing the enormous task of reforming the church in the 1500s. Well, in 1540, this guy, Myconius, his assistant, fell deathly ill and was on his deathbed. And so he wrote a letter... He writes this farewell letter to Martin Luther, saying, The end is near, I love you, and on and on he went in in that vein. And Luther wouldn't stand for it. And instead of praying a kind of safe little prayer, Martin Luther said this, or he could have said, you know, May the Lord be with you and comfort you and, you know, whatever, da-da-da-da. But he prayed this massive, specific, faith-filled prayer, and he wrote this letter back to his friend Myconius. And here's what he wrote. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Bang. It's a big and specific prayer. What's even crazier, if you want to put it that way, is Myconius had already lost the ability to speak. He was evidently hours away from death, or so they thought. When he heard this letter, it engaged his faith, and miraculously the guy was supernaturally healed. He lived for six more years, and guess when he died? Two months after Martin Luther died. He lived longer than Martin Luther in answer to Martin Luther's prayer. A specific response to a specific and faith-filled prayer by a man who had big enough faith to believe that all things are possible with God. Okay? All things are possible. I think there's an element of understanding and knowing as God speaks into your spirit of what he wants to do. And there's many things, many verses in scripture that tell us God's purpose and plan for people's lives. That we can pray and pray powerfully and passionately praying the scriptures. So we're going to learn, I I hope we're going to learn in this next little while, how to pray this way really to tap into the power of God. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at four different texts that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote. And if you don't know Paul, he used to be called Saul. He was the guy that persecuted Christians, killed Christians, hated Christians. And yet he he met the grace of Jesus Christ, was transformed, so he would start churches and kind of build them up and then go on and start more churches. Then he would write letters back to them, and he wrote a big portion of the New Testament. We're going to be looking in what's known as the Pauline epistles, you know, the letters that Paul wrote. Now, when Paul would pray in his epistles for the churches, he kind of prayed the same way over and over again. And what he would do is he would say, I pray, and then he would say for what he prayed. I pray, and then he would describe what he's praying for. You see it again and again. And then he gives the reason why he's praying. So I pray for this, 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 and then he gives the reason for why he's praying. And so we're going to learn and pray for the very things he prayed for. We're going to learn to be inspired by God to pray on purpose. Remember that phrase, to pray on purpose. God, for this very reason, I ask you to do this so that this will happen in the world. I pray that you will do this so this will happen in the world. So, let me take a specific um, request just for a moment. 
Now, um, can I share this, Mac? What's going to happen? Now, Mac's a new believer, accepted Christ in December, last December, and passionately wants to share Christ. So he comes to me last Sunday, right, and says, um, is it ever inappropriate to share your faith? That's a very good question. Is it ever inappropriate to share your faith? And then he began to explain why. In, the, in university, he's, he has to give this five-minute speech in one of his classes and uh, wondering whether or not it would be appropriate to share the gospel. And so he's telling me about Apostle Paul, and wherever Paul goes, he seems like he finds an opportunity and takes the opportunity to share Christ, whether it's on Mars Hill or wherever it is, and he's sharing Christ. And I, I said to Mac, that, that's incredible, that's, that's, that's amazing that you would have this desire to do this. And so this week, I've been, I've been and I told Mac, I'm praying for him, I said, so when are you going to give this speech, five-minute speech? Of any day of the year, are you going to give this speech in the setting of a university class? What day would you think would be a great day to do that? October 31st is the day, right? You're going to give this speech. Amen. So, a specific way to pray, as you hear of somebody who's involved in something or doing something, and so, now let's just do a little um, exercise here this morning. What would be a great specific way for you to pray for Mac as he shares on October 31st, a five-minute speech that shares the God? What are some specific things that you'd want to ask God for that are answered? Only God can do that. Not a general prayer, God be with him, help him be happy, whatever. What are, what are, just speak out loud. What are some specific things that you would pray? Speak out really loud because you know I can't hear that well. That they would be receptive to what he has to say. That they would be receptive to what he has to say. And in, let's go even more specific. That there will be fruit. And what would that fruit look like? That some would come to know the Lord or at least come and ask him about his faith personally. And you were saying? Same thing. Same thing. So as we begin to pray, and we pray, let, let there be an obvious anointing of the Spirit of God on Mac that there's no nervousness, but there's a boldness to share his faith. And even as scripture says, that he will give us the words to say when we speak. And that the words would touch the hearts and transform the hearts and let the minds and hearts be open and receptive to respond as you say, the fruit, respond to the gospel and talk with him afterwards that there might be some who would commit their lives to Jesus Christ. And others who maybe have been a little shy in their faith would be encouraged to be more bold in their faith. And I'm sure you can get more and more specific and even bigger prayer than that. Let's believe the professor, whoever the professor is, doesn't... Have you ever seen the movie God's Not Dead? Um, it, it's, it's a good thing, too, of students who are... A student in particular who is being challenged by the professor with their faith. And um, what an arena 
So we're going to learn, we're, we're going to pray and tap into the power of God, become passionate and believe God for something that we can't do. Only God can answer and only God can get the glory. And so Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, Paul writes this prayer around A.D. 60 from a Roman prison in the church to the churches in Ephesus. And he starts his prayer this way, notice in verse 14, for this reason I do. I do what? I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So he says, for this reason, I kneel. Now, when we pray, it's important to know you can pray in any posture you feel comfortable in praying. You can pray standing, you can pray sitting, you can pray laying down, you can pray walking around, you can pray driving. But I suggest if you're praying driving, you follow the scriptural mandate and watch and pray. Uh, And so, you know, you want to be observant what's going on. Um, Don't close your eyes when you're driving. But you can pray kneeling. What's interesting is, for a Jewish man, the most normal way to pray in Paul's era was to pray standing with their palms lifted up towards heaven. So that was the normal Jewish way of praying, standing with their palms lifted up towards heaven. Now, in this particular case, Paul decides to kneel before God in prayer. I would encourage us to to vary the postures. I, I mean, I do it all the time based on the intent, the heart, the need of the prayer. For example, when I kneel before God, there's something in me that just says, God, I'm giving you due reverence. I'm worshiping you. I'm acknowledging my own weakness. I'm acknowledging your strength. And kneeling is a great way to do that. It's a way to show reverence. Not the only way to show reverence, but it's a way. I think sometimes we need to go back to the days of the kneeling benches in churches. You know, to just to kind of encourage that, that posture sometimes. I'm not suggesting we're going to do it. I'm just saying that at times I think the posture is important to be reminded of, that we can reverently kneel before God. And there's nothing wrong, friends, with times of quietness. We don't always have to be, you know, jumping off the limb of a branch. I mean, I mean we can be quiet at times, and there's some... Um, remember when I was in, in Montreal some time ago visiting with the district... And it's, it's interesting, where you go into some churches, and all, these old cathedrals, they sort of just command silence. You notice you walk in there and just like, whew, you know, got to be quiet in this place. Now, I don't know why that is, maybe because of the architecture or whatever. It, it just seems to be that way. And so sometimes you just want to kneel, sometimes you want to stand, sometimes maybe you want to walk around, maybe lie down, maybe, maybe sit, um, whatever. So the posture is... In, in some irrelevant in the sense other than there are many postures to pray. When there's something, you know, that's really um, deep on my heart and I, I really am petitioning God, sometimes I just kneel because I need to kneel and, and not look around. I don't want to be distracted. Because when I walk, obviously I have my eyes open. I don't want to be distracted by anything as I'm just really uh, endeavoring to focus and concentrate. And so there's just these different postures. But here Paul's saying, For this reason, and you can read the reason prior to those verses, for this reason I kneel before my Father. And he says, I pray. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches. Wow. I pray that out of God's glorious riches. Let's stop there for a moment. Out of his glorious riches. When Paul is praying, he's recognizing that His heavenly Father has every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms available to you and I, His children. Every spiritual blessing available. 
I'm praying to a gloriously rich God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, Paul said that, and then he says, I thank my God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in Ephesians 1.3, he says, blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. He's saying God has already made available to us every possible spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. This is the God to whom I pray. Now, if we just think about that for a moment, we're not praying to some dead, cross-legged Buddha. Which really interests me when somebody hits their thumb with a hammer. They never say, oh, Buddha! But they say, anyway, we're not praying to some dead idol or some figment of somebody's imagination or even studying and humming as you gaze on your navel. We're not doing any of that kind of stuff. We are absolutely praying and talking to a God who has every... Now, in the Greek, the word every means every. Right? Every spiritual blessing. Now, is there anything that God cannot provide out of the word every? Every. So here's the God whom we're praying to. We are praying to a God who has access to these glorious riches, everything available. So he says, I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, and when he comes out of, they're never diminished. Okay, not like withdrawing from a bank where now it's getting lower and lower. They're out of is never diminished. So he says, my God, Philippians 4.19, my God will meet some, all of your needs according to his glorious riches. There's that word again. His glorious riches. We serve an infinitely spiritually rich heavenly father, and yet so many of us are living like spiritually impoverished children. We serve a God who has every spiritual blessing available to us in the heavenly realms, and he desires to give those blessings to us, and we're often praying small and general prayers. Myself at times included. So we ask specific faith-filled prayers And God, I believe, delights in blessing his children with every spiritual blessing from these heavenly realms. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may do what? That he, that our God, may strengthen you with power. That our God may strengthen you with power. He may strengthen you with power. Power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, why did he pray that? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, he says is the reason. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Friends, there's sometimes we just need an extra boost from God to believe what God says. I don't know about you, but sometimes my faith is a little bit lacking. Anybody ever have your faith a little bit lacking? And we need this extra boost, you might say, with the Holy Spirit in us. To give us this power and extra boost to, boost, boost to believe in what God has said in his word. So that he may strengthen you with power. The Greek word translated as power is the same word we get dynamite from, dunamis. 
And it means the explosive, miraculous power of God. It's not like human power, but it's the power of God. I pray that he may strengthen you with dunamis, supernatural power. Friends, it's available to you and to me. It's available. I desperately need the power of God in my preaching. I need the power of God in my task as pastoring. I need the power of God to overcome temptation. I need the power of God to stand strong against spiritual opposition. I need more than I have in the physical realm. I need spiritual power. I need his help. I'm a weakling without it. And we all need his help. So Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that my God would strengthen you with dunamis, power. It's available to you, and yet so many are not tapping into what's available to us. Trying to get by on our experience, our own you know, fleshly knowledge, which at times is beneficial and helpful. But, friends, I came to tell somebody here this morning, there's power available to you through the Holy Spirit out of the glorious riches of God. Somebody here needs to hear that. And as you're hearing it, there's something igniting in your spirit and igniting your faith. In verse 16, verse 18. See, God will, if we call on him, God will answer. Paul says, I pray not that you'll be blessed and saved, but that you'll have power so the presence of Christ may dwell within your heart. Notice verse 16. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may grant you the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. 17. So that Christ may dwell in your heart, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have what? May have power. Together with God's holy people, you need power to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Now, why do you need power to know how much he loves you? Why do we need power to know how much he loves us? We need to know that this love surpasses Knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If any of you ever look on and you think, why does that person have something that I don't have spiritually? Why is it that they seem to have a peace and I don't have that? Why is it that they seem to have this overwhelming assurance that everything is going to be okay? Why do they seem to have something that I don't have? The answer might be because they do have something you don't have. They have all that God has available to them and it comes from a supernatural understanding of the love of God. A supernatural understanding of the love of God. I don't know what it was like when you grew up. But in some homes, when kids grow up, I think that perhaps they can grow up wondering if 
the love from their parents is there, but at some point it stops if they do something really, really bad. At what point would that love seem to cease? Other kids are raised in homes that it did not matter what they did, thought, whatever. They always, always, always knew their parents would love them to the end. There is a difference in behavior in the child who may question the depth of their parents' love to the one who never questions their parents' love. There's always acceptance. There's always love. There's always forgiveness. There's always an embrace. Always, 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 always. Friends, sometimes we do not understand how much God loves us. And so our confidence level in asking him for a withdrawal from the spiritual resources of God is limited because of our lack of understanding of how much he loves us and cares for us. Have you ever wondered if God loved some other believer more than you? Well, maybe God just loves them better. They're just, you know, living better. They're doing this better. They're whatever better. Listen, friends, the love of God is not dependent on what you do or don't do. See, the love of God is based on who he is, and he is love. There's nothing we could ever do to make him not love us. Nothing. That's incredible. Nothing. I remember as a kid, and uh, I, my brother and I, we thought for sure our, our father didn't love us very much, loved our sister more. You know, she was youngest. She was the only girl, and she was the coat of many colors girl, whatever. And so we, we just thought that we'd be better off if we went and lived on our own. So we made plans, and we were like 13, 14. We're going to launch out, and we're going to do this thing called life on our own. So we found an old rowboat, had holes in it. We patched it with tar and plywood patches and everything else, and found ourselves a couple of oars and and um, we got some staple food stuffs together and snuck it away and kept stashing it so we get some food together without anybody noticing it missing from the kitchen. We knew where my dad kept his cash because he always, he always operated with cash, never wrote checks, and until later on in life. So we knew where he had money, so we, we went to where he had money, and we, we took 20 bucks. We thought that would last us for a long time. So we got this boat. We lived by the Columbia River. So we hauled this boat one late afternoon, early evening, down to the Columbia River, um, there in Castlegar where we lived, loaded everything into the boat, got the paddles in the boat, and we'd, my brother was in the boat, and we're just ready to, I was just ready to shove off when we heard this terrific screaming up on the bank, and there's my mother. My sister finked on us, and, uh, and so now you, you can't, I mean, there's your mother you know, we had no axe to grind with our mother. There's your mother crying and yelling and pleading. And you, you, can't, you can't go then. I mean, that'd just be totally against motherhood and apple pie. I mean, that's just not. So we brought everything back in. And, and uh, you know, if we had launched that boat in Columbia River in Castle Guard, we would have gone headed down towards Trail, B.C., where if you know the river at all, there's the Winita Dam. And if you ever make it past there, which you're not, there's more dams as you go down into the United States. And, uh, I mean, we had no life jackets. I mean, 
couple of foolish kids. I'm sure it was my brother's idea. But anyway, um, <clears throat> because we just, we just weren't so sure that our dad loved us enough to um, overlook some of our shenanigans and stuff. Now, that one he never overlooked. But when he came home from work, because we planned to do when he was on shift work, when he came home from work, my mother, uh, obviously, she told him. wish she wouldn't have, but anyway, she told him. And so the next day when we got up, my dad walked to the front door of the house and he opened the door and he said, if you want to go, go. Tears running down his face. Well, it's no fun going when the door's open. <laughs> the challenge is gone, right? I mean, you know, the mystery and all that. So, of course, we never went and we snuck the 20 bucks back into the wallet and so he never knew. I don't think he knew and... Maybe I'll ask him in heaven when I get there, but um, put the food back in the cupboard. And I mean, he tanned our hide as we deserved. But um, when he said that, tears coming down his face, I knew my dad loved me. He was willing to open the door and say, if you want to go, go. But you don't have to sneak around, whatever. And, and sometimes when we come to our Heavenly Father, we wonder... We've done some things, we've thought some things, whatever. What will be God's response to us? And sometimes we wonder if God really loves us. I want to tell you, there's times we need the power of the Holy Spirit to assure us that our Heavenly Father will love us regardless of what we've done. I don't know what you've done. Well, some of you I do, but no. I don't know what maybe is hindering you from believing God that he has given you access to his glorious riches. Because of his great love. I don't know what's holding you back from that. But I want to say. There's a power of the Holy Spirit. That is yours. That is available to you. To help you to understand. The depth and the breadth and the height. Of the love of God for you. Friend if we could really grasp that and believe. That there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. As scripture says. Can separate you from the love of God. No angels. No demons. No principalities. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. There will be no hesitancy in us coming with big prayers and specific prayers to a God who we know loves us in spite of what we may have done. It's an amazing love. And it's that kind of love that will release the power within us to believe and trust God. And so... We cannot naturally understand God's love. It must be supernaturally revealed. Our finite minds don't have the capacity on our own to comprehend just how much God loves us. That's why perhaps parents, one of the most important prayers you can pray for your children is that God would give them the power to understand how much he loves them. God, give little Johnny and Susie and whatever their name is. God, give them the power to understand how much you love them and help me to be an example of that love to them. Help me, to, help me to, that they see that kind of love in my life. And suddenly when their approval comes from God, they don't need approval from their peers. They're not sucked into the temptation of the world, but they stand strong out of the approval of God. They're not living for the approval of people as so many of us have done for too long. They already have the approval of God. And that's why spouses, one of the best things you can pray for your spouse is that he or she would have the power to understand how much God loves them. 
Then they will be drawn intimately into a loving relationship with God and be totally transformed. And this knowledge is not something that is naturally understood. It has to be supernaturally revealed. That's why any time that I try to talk about the love of God, I fail miserably. I do not have the vocabulary, nobody does, to give God's love to justice. As the songwriter said, if we had ink from the ocean, he could never write all about God's love. We can't fathomly understand it without God helping us. He doesn't love me because of what I do. He loves me because of who he is. And when that overtakes me, suddenly Christianity is not a something I do on Sunday. It's the essence of who I'm called to be. I'm a Christ follower. I have power that dwells within me so that Christ lives in my inner being. And suddenly I'm not living for the lower things of this world. I'm not drawn down. I have power. There's sometimes you meet people like, how do you stay so calm? How, how, how come they gave you a bad doctor report, but you just have the supernatural peace? There's just this peace about you. You know how? They've got power. There's power coming to them. Other people are living underneath a spiritually, gloriously rich father, and yet we're living like spiritually impoverished children because we haven't tapped into what he has available for us in the heavenly realms. One of the most important prayers you can pray for those you love, they may have the power to understand just how much God loves them. It's not, oh, make Johnny more obedient. No, God, help him to understand how much you love him. How much you care for them. Yeah, we want them to be obedient, but God, let them know your love. Someone asked the famous trumpeteer, Louis Armstrong, one time to explain jazz. So Louis tells us about jazz. Can you explain jazz to us, Louis? You know what he said? If you got to explain it, you ain't got it. If you got to explain it, you ain't got it. I try to explain the love of God. It could be that you haven't been immersed in it. You haven't been overcome by it. In fact, I'm really praying, friends, that here in our assembly, we would have people who really have a deeper and more meaningful spiritual encounter with the Holy God. It wouldn't be just, I'm singing a song at church. It's like I'm dwelling in the presence of God. Friends, can I just tell you something? I'm good anyway, but... You know, if we lived all week conscious of the love of God and the presence of God, there'd be no issue when we began to open our mouths to worship God. There'd be no hesitancy. There'd be no having to, you know, hype up the troops. If we just lived, and friends, I'm speaking to me too, if I lived every day conscious and aware of the love that God has for me, I could come boldly with brothers and sisters in Christ doesn't matter what I've done all week, knowing that God still loves me. I may have blown it severely and whatever. But when I come together, brothers and sisters in Christ, I know, I know, I know that God loves me. And he's worthy of my praise. Now, if it'll make you feel better, we can set up a, a booth. And you can confess whatever you want to do, if that'll make you feel better. But I'm telling you, Scripture says... If we can just be overwhelmed with the love of God, we can come boldly into his presence, asking out of his glorious riches that he supplies our needs. Oh, Lord, help me to live that way. Help me to live aware of your presence. We sang it. Help me live aware of your presence. 
I pray God help us to have deeper and more meaningful spiritual encounters with the Holy God. When I'm reading his word, that as I'm reading it, it's like jumping off the page, giving me encouragement or convicting me away from my sin, or it's leading me into the right places. I'm having the faith to do things that would seem impossible otherwise. Like Charles Finney, who was a famous evangelist in the 1800s. He was a follower of Christ, and then he had a deeper encounter with God, and here's how he described it. He said, The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come. And here's the part I want you to notice. He said, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. That's quite descriptive. Waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. To me, that's a beautiful image of the love of God. I I really do pray, friends that we would have supernatural power to understand how much God loves us and that it would be like waves. Just when you think you understand it, more comes. And just when you think you sort of have understood it, more comes and waves and waves of his love. And then one day, things start to change in your life because maybe for years you've been dissatisfied and you have so much and yet you want so much more. And for years, maybe you battled with depression or feelings of loneliness or inadequacy, and suddenly those things start to melt away by. Why? Because the power of God is dwelling within you, and these waves and waves of His love just seem to overwhelm you and overcome you. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead takes up residency inside of you, and your identity is not based on what you have or what you do, on what God thinks, but on what God thinks of you. And there's a deep assurance of His love because it's not been naturally learned, but supernaturally revealed. Therefore, you're never the same. Guess what? Your prayers change when you know how much God loves you. Your prayers change when you're overwhelmed by his love and his power comes into your life. And your prayer changes because now you have a, a whole different confidence level in who God is and how much God loves you. And there's nothing that you can't ask God from. It's going to be more than keep us safe today and bless this food and be with us. And yeah, that's all I can think of. Amen. It's going to be more than that. You're praying for big things. You're not praying anymore, just keep my kids safe today and keep them off drugs. No, no, no. Now it's God. Raise up my children to be spiritual leaders in their school. God, may they stand out for the glory of Jesus. I pray that they would be bold in their faith, that they would be leaders in their faith. Not just what you don't want to have, what you want to see in them. Praying specific and big prayers for your kids and you're never praying... God, help me pay the bills this month. Help me pay the bills. No, God, you promised me that I would never beg for bread and you'd be blessing me as I come in and go out and you're going to provide for all my needs according to your riches and glory. And I believe, God, that I'll be able to be massively generous and be a blessing to others who are in need today. And that's how much you will bless me, God. And that's what I'm believing for. Oh, God, oh, God. I pray for my husband or my wife. They're a jerk. Make them less of a jerk if you can. No, no. God, touch the heart of my spouse. I pray they would bow their knee in full surrender to your son, Jesus. I pray they would stand up a devoted follower of Jesus, a man or a woman after God's own heart, that our family would be different because they're leading us to do and be the things of God and and they're close to Jesus and hearing from his word and that as a result, generations are going to be different because my spouse fully belongs and follows you, God. What are we praying for our family?
What specific? What big prayers? Pray big prayers. Pray specific prayers. Believe in a God who says, all things are possible with me. And your faith grows and it grows and it grows because you have the power of the risen Christ dwelling within you. Let me show you how Paul wraps this thing up. He basically says that you may be the full measure of all that God has for you. (laughs) That you may be the full measure of all that God has for you. Wow. Sherry, that you may be the full measure of all that God has for you. Nothing less. Josh, nothing less but the full measure of what God has for you. Don't go for anything less. Paul prays the full measure. Verse 20. It's almost like an anthem. He says, now to him. Now to Christ who's able to do how much? Immeasurably more. In other words, you cannot even measure how much he's able to do. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask. Or How many here have a good imagination? Anybody have a good? Come on, you've got a good imagination. If you just give yourself some time to think and imagine... Your imaginator really works well. Here's a God who can provide more than we could think or even imagine. The greatest thing you can picture in your mind, our God can do more. The greatest thing you can dream up, our God, he can do more. According to his what? Power that works in you. We need his Holy Spirit power to imagine He's at work where? Within us. Within you. That's where his power is. You're not on your own. When you're weak, his power is made perfect in you. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Not will be, could be, might be, is at work within us. To him be glory in the church. The church that he loves, the bride of Christ, and in Christ Jesus through all generation forever and ever. You see the faith in that kind of prayer? This isn't God, help us through the day, help us through the week. This is, may generations be different because of your touch in my life. Why? Because you can do exceedingly abundantly more, immeasurably more than I can ask, think, or imagine. Who has that kind of faith? Someone who has the power of God dwelling within them. I believe with all my heart that our church will be filled with people who've been touched by the power of God and have the faith to believe big things and bigger things for God to do that is impossible with man. And as he does, we're going to tell everybody. Like the old black preacher was preaching in the southern states and he was praying for some guy and he said, anoint him with the oil of gladness and anoint him with this oil and then anoint him with that oil and then he said, and then set him on fire. I'll tell you, folks, people will come to see a fire. You get on fire for God, and they'll come to watch you burn. Come on, as you were a kid, a young person, you heard the fire truck in your small community, wherever you went. Where did you fall the fire truck? I did it all the time. First pastor in Yukon, there's a fire truck or an ambulance. Go, man, I was going to see, see what was going on, and maybe I could help. Maybe I could talk to somebody. 
One day I went and followed a fire truck. It wasn't too far from the church, and there was a hotel and a bar burning down. I pulled up in my van. They loaded it with booze. <laughs> Pastor, would you help us save this liquor? Sure, put it in my van. I parked it in the church garage. Sat there for three or four days till they finally told me what to do with it. It was still full when they came and got it. Don't worry. People watch. They want to come to see a fire. They want to come to see what's happening. They want to come where there's life. Where the power of God is evident. Not something man-made, but where the power of God is evident. And I want to tell you, that power lives in you. person who has the kind of faith to pray big prayers and bigger prayers and faith-filled prayers is the one who realizes the power of God dwelling within them. When we see things happen, we're going to want to tell people. When was the last time you told somebody what God has done in your life? When was the last time you were excited and told somebody, you know what God did in my life this last week? You know what God did in our family? You know what God did in my business? It's only because God showed up and showed off that that happened, and may he get the glory for generations to come. I want to ask you a couple of questions and ask you to bow your heads and no one looking around for this moment. Read between you and God. I'm not looking either. Maybe you would say, just between you and God, this is just you and him. You'd say, Pastor, for the next seven days, I'm going to pray Ephesians 3. I'm going to pray it for myself. I'm going to pray for those I love. I'm praying the power of God be evident my life, our family. How many of you, between just you and God, no one looking around, please? I think it's a moment. God is all eyes. And you'd raise your hand to God and say, God, I'm going to do that. Praying for your power, be evident in my life. Try not to pray those small, general prayers. God, give me, give me a big prayer. Give me a faith-filled prayer. Fill me with your power and your assurance of how much you love me. That There's nothing that I can't ask out of your amazing riches in glory. If you haven't, just raise your hand up and down to God and say, God, that's me. I'm praying. For at least these next seven days, every day. God, I want to pray. I I want your power in my life. I want to pray that faith-filled, powerful, passionate prayer. My kids, grandkids, my marriage, my education, my job, my future job, whatever. Praying for my life, oh God, let your power. Let your power be evident that things are happening because of you and in such a way that you're the only one going to get the glory and I'm going to tell. Tell whoever, and maybe not even whoever, just anybody. I'm going to tell them whether they want to listen or not. I'm going to tell them of your great goodness.
Because God, you're such a big God. Maybe there's something big you want to ask God for. And Father, I pray that over the next seven days, as these people believe that your power resides and lives inside them, that you would release spiritual blessings that you've stored up for them. Things that you're ready to give us in heavenly places, and we begin to see the reality of your power in our daily life. God, I pray for those that we love, that they would have the power to know how much you love them. And they may not be serving you right now, but God, I pray that they would know how much you care, how much you love them, and how much you love them through us and how we live our life. God, I pray for those who are going to believe for the impossible. I ask God that you would continue to build their faith, that all things are possible. And when they hear those little voices that say, God doesn't care or God won't do this, that, Lord, we just continue to believe in faith. And God, if you do answer our prayer, we're going to praise you. And even if you don't answer it the way we want you to answer it, we're going to praise you. Because we come to you because we need you and we want to know you. We don't come that you are our servant. We come and we are your servant. So God, we come in our frailty and weakness and we say, fill us with your power and your faith to believe for big, specific prayers according to your word and the leading of your Holy Spirit. Let your power, O God, and the passion of a realization of how much you love us and the riches in in your glorious realm that are available to us. Father, Help us to know there's nothing, nothing, nothing you cannot do. May people in this room be encouraged today, I pray. Maybe you're not a church person. Maybe you're not a religious person. Maybe you were for a while and you kind of veered off of your relationship. But there's something right now drawing you to God and there may be a reservation or question in your mind, but But what if, what if, what if I'm not good enough? Listen, God wants us to come exactly as we are. That's how good he is. Perhaps you're in this room and God is right now revealing to you the immenseness immenseness of his love for you. There's no accident while you're here. God loves you, loves you, loves you, loves you. So much that he became a person, God in the flesh, in the form of his son, Jesus, who was perfect in every way without sin. And he went to the cross and died for you and for me. He died. When he went to the cross for the forgiveness of our sin, he died and rose again on the third day. Wow. So anyone who calls on his name will be saved, forgiven, and made new. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're one prayer away, one prayer of surrender, one prayer of repentance, one prayer away of changing the course of your destiny, and you know it. And you'd say, yes, that's me. I need the forgiveness of Jesus. I need his grace. I give my life to him.
you can open your eyes now. Sometimes, I'm not sure why we do this, but nothing wrong with it, I guess. We say, when it comes to inviting someone to accept Christ, you don't want anybody to look around, this is a private moment. But the Bible says that if we confess him before men, he'll confess us before the Father. If we don't, he won't. Now, if I had, I don't have um, 100 bucks in my pocket, but I got 20 bucks. If I said, whoever would like this 20 bucks, can you put your hand up? Whoever would like this. Anybody here want this 20 bucks? Yes. Okay. Now, I got some, something far more valuable than 20 bucks. I want to offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if your life is not right with him, something more valuable than 20 bucks. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, my relationship with Jesus is either non-existent or not where it should be, and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, this is more important than putting your hand up to receive 20 bucks. More important. And you'd say, Pastor, I don't care who's looking. I want Jesus Christ totally, 100% in my life. I want him. And you just put your hand up right now. Yeah. Wow. 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 Why should we be ashamed of asking for the greatest miracle of life, have Jesus Christ 100% in our life. <clears throat> One more time. How many? Now, everybody else. No, keep them up. Keep them up. Everybody else, I want you to be. Can you see these hands? Can you see this? 100% we want Jesus Christ. So, therefore, There's something powerful of praying for one another together that we might be to the glory of Jesus Christ. Not to us, but to him be all the glory. Not to Northwest Family Church, but to the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Father, I thank you for every person here. And Lord, the commitments and recommitments that were made this morning, you know every heart. And as we've expressed it to you, God, this is our desire. I pray, God, that this week would be a week filled with your power, your presence, and your passion in every person's life. May the times that we spend with you throughout the day be graced with an amazing sense of your presence and a revelation of how much you love us and how much you care about us and how much you want to give to us out of your riches and glory. Oh God, help us to live our lives completely, totally, unreservedly for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Before we sing this song in closing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. 
In Jesus' name, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Before we exit, will you stand? Wes has got a song I think we're going to sing. And let's just sing it in worship to the Lord. No, you don't have a song? I guess we're not going to sing. (laughs) 